Welcome to the Digital Marketing Insights Podcast, brought to you by Brightside Digital. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm delighted to say I have Gail, a marketing manager with us today. Hi, Gail. Hi, Tom. Gail, we start off the show always the same, which is, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I guess uh, I don't know really. I, I began my career in '99, um, going way back. I started as a graphic designer and uh, worked as a graphic designer for 15, 14, 15 years, uh, specializing in digital in the end and UX. Um, and in 2016, I pivoted into marketing, and that led into, um, as my natural sway was with design, it went into digital and stayed in that space um, going into kind of the e-commerce realms and uh, and the general marketing also. And at the moment I'm working for Lincoln Recruitment, um, an Irish-based um, uh, uh, recruitment company and uh, as their marketing manager. Brilliant. And obviously, Gail, you've throughout your career done many areas of digital, but can you tell us more about what you do now and where you see your biggest strength as a marketer? Yeah, no problem. Um, okay, yeah, it's, I mean, sort of gone around uh, all the different sort of niche areas of digital marketing. Um, and where I am at the moment is it's a very broad role, um, overseeing the, the, the marketing of a recruitment business, but it has many, many arms. Um, I think what's been really valuable for me in this role has been my design background, interestingly, because as the director of e-commerce in a previous role, I, I rarely used that except for my sort of ability to judge whether something was going to work or not visually. Whereas now I'm uh, much more hands-on involved in uh, creativity and, and growing those businesses from the very, very beginning stages. Um, so I, I guess, uh, you know, to be able to to turn on one of the Adobe tools and actually get in there and do something quickly um, is is actually has been really really helpful, and I'm very thankful that I have that background in this particular role. It sounds like now, compared to your previous role, which was more e-commerce, and would it be fair to say it was more analytical and you were just selling product in a different form, whereas now your current role you're building brands, hence more of an importance on what you're putting out there, the quality of your imagery and your video and things like that. That's definitely true. Uh, I mean, the quality image was incredibly important in my previous role, but it was uh, a business that had, um, it was is like it was a retail business and therefore it had uh, their own in-house photography, and it, like, but I could oversee it. Um, and that was really exciting and there was a bit of brand work as well but this role yeah it's very much uh, brand building from scratch and the quality of the content like you said is is absolutely imperative um particularly since we'll be gearing a lot of the content towards very senior level executives um who who can discern quality very quickly um and so so yeah and really in terms of i guess the the channels you know i a very very different mix in my previous roles i would have been very heavily focused on say um uh paid 
this role is is not it's, it's much more on uh, creating the valuable content to begin with um and then pushing it out to all channels but with, without it being retail it's very very different so would it be fair to say that previously you were relying on your knowledge of paid and kind of identifying keywords and expanding that way whereas now your content is very much is it would it be largely on social and, and digital channels your your publications and things like that and trying to drive a brand that way exactly um keywords uh, yeah the the brand particularly in the uk in my previous company uh keywords were incredibly important for selling um the product the luxury products that we would have sold it, it was very competitive marketplace um and uh in this particular company um within the field of recruitment um i guess the the content now is I mean, whilst you could use uh, Google Ads to market your content, it's actually much more beneficial for your brand to use a channel like LinkedIn. So it's a completely different set um, of of tools. Uh, However, at the core, within both roles, um, the skills that I've found to be um, imperative um, would be, you know, a, a good eye for design the ability to write well um and generally creative thinking i I think no matter what role i've been in whether it's e-commerce or broader marketing range those have been uh, invaluable to be honest and how do you go about producing content for linkedin now what do you have any kind of value that you could give anyone that you think oh this works really well or or this yeah well uh, (laughs) I guess so. We're doing something similar. So we have a podcast, the One Percent Podcast, um, and it's focused around performance. And I, I love that it doesn't focus on recruitment. So it's a really soft connection back to to the Lincoln brand, um, it, but it's very important, you know, in terms of uh, achieving your personal best and commer- uh, professionally. Um, we also, you, you know, use that content then. We use the platforms such as all the social channels, uh, particularly LinkedIn, like I mentioned with recruitment, um, you know, as springboards for that content and the website. But I mean, it's 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 now that we're back to kind of first party data, it's email is pretty powerful for us still and will continue to be. Uh, but having that core original content from the podcast is, uh, is very, very useful because without it, you're just repurposing other people's content. Um, the same applies for writing your own articles. Um, but I find the podcast to be, uh, it's its just a lovely format uh, rather than the written word. Um, you know, it, it, it's, still, it's still a format that's yet to be uh, overutilized, I feel. Yeah. And would you break out snippets from the podcast as content then and highlight certain areas and... and, and create written content from things that are covered in the show yeah absolutely but not 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 enough like that's that's the next stage when at the moment we're using um what i find is a useful tool is headliner so we recorded in riverside and um i can uh, take out video and uh, audio from from riverside and then i can bring it into headliner and i can add subtitles and even that alone as a sound bite you have the optics as well which i think sometimes um, when it's only audio, uh, the listener doesn't get a feel for 
the, the body language of the person um, in their entirety. And even if they just get that quick soundbite where they can see the person um, who's speaking, it can be it can be quite beneficial for them their engagement. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've 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 uh, we've used the podcast uh, all over the years. I mean, it's been running for several years at this stage and it's been a super source of original content for us and we'll continue to do that and it gets really good traction uh within the business sector it's getting good ratings uh we're continuously studying uh which podcasts have better uh reach um but yeah it's for, for me that, that that's something that i haven't done before in any previous company so it's the first time I've worked anywhere where there has been a, an established podcast that uh, that I need to market. So I'm st- I'm still learning, to be honest, the best ways to push podcast content. Um, so, so for me, it's quite exciting because it's a new area to learn. And have you found as a marketer in general that podcast would be something that you would take on? Let's say, you know, you had a friend that wanted to start a business or something you were advising them, would you say it's a good form of content to, to build out? From? I think if you can find a niche area that is not already exploited too much, you know, I, I, going over the same old ground as everybody else is uh, pointless. But if you can find an area that hasn't been covered uh, that you think would be of interest to any cohort, to be honest, I think it's worth exploring. Um, I particularly like it as well for the channels that you can you know, push it out across, particularly when you take the audio and the visual together for sound bites, and that you can cut them up and use them on every social channel. And we all know that video gets the most traction. So if, you know, once you have those little snippets, they're, they're, they're really cool to have as little uh, share, you know, content, sort of bite-sized content pieces for all the social channels. Um, so from that respect, it is literally marketing, it's marketing gold, you know, um, but but yeah, it's important to get the subject right, uh, the subject matter right. And for us, performance was a really interesting area, um, and it, it's so broad as well. So try not to be too too uh, specific uh, when you when you you go for your when you decide what you're going to create your podcast about. I'd pick something broad enough that you'll be able to get enough um, uh, interesting content that'll last you many years. That's it. And you mentioned email was quite important for you as well. Would you build out email, automated email journeys? And could you explain it for our audience a little bit about that as well? Sure, yeah. I mean, we have um, been using email for like like every company really since way before the GDPR and everything. Like for for me anyway, email marketing went through a bit of a dip um, uh, professionally and personally. I, I distinctly remember deleting thousands of emails, you know, unsubscribing from hundreds of different companies just I had enough spam um, and I'm letting them back into my inbox very gradually uh, but I think the GDPR was an excellent uh, time for people to sort of reboot from an email uh, marketing perspective and now that the you know the likes of Google are shutting down the third party data cookies I'm seeing it it's starting to lift and I think if you can provide the reader with that original content then uh, that's relevant to them uh, and continue to do that based you know you you have a symbiotic uh, relationship then and uh, and they won't unsubscribe you know and I think I think that's ultimately the whole evolution of this third-party data cookie piece is like it's it's it feels like a natural and rightful journey that that marketing has gone on that you know no longer are people willing to 
tolerate being marketed to in a sort of an uninvited way um and now it's like on the consumer's terms and i think that that should have always been the case and therefore that leads to much more uh, genuine um, marketing much more honest marketing uh, which is always what I've been in favour of. Um, I've never really liked the the uh, sort of um, uh, you know those banners that chase you. The it's just for me. I don't particularly think that's the honest. Um, retargeting has its place, and uh, certainly within the fast moving e commerce sector, it's it can be very commercially beneficial. But uh, I think we have to look at the, the user and, and see, okay, they've had enough. Uh, and why have they had enough? Because we've fed them too much crap, uh, uninvited. So emails are invited, they're accepted, they're wanted. And if you can keep the content relevant, the user journeys, look, I'm not gonna lie to you, Tom, right? How, how I, I don't know how many marketers I've worked with and we've talked about doing email journeys, really complex ones. I think probably the only businesses that are doing them properly, like HubSpot themselves, when it comes to, uh, your average company using email journeys properly, they may have uh, a very small handful of email journeys that work, but beyond that, it, it doesn't get that more complex because uh, maybe maybe somewhere like AIB who have an enormous 150 plus strong marketing team probably do have uh, a very complex, oh, and even in the, in, the, in the gambling sector where I worked, it was quite complex, but I'm in an SME now. So the email journeys are very straightforward. Uh, the journey is really quite simple. There aren't many of them, um, and the goal is to to really get them to subscribe to subscribe to to one key area of content that we create at the moment. So, I'm not going to lie to you; it's not massively complex right now for me in terms of the journeys. But uh, keeping the subscribers and growing the subscriber base is massively important, particularly yeah. since we don't have third-party data cookies now. Yeah, and I, I, in what you were saying there really sung to me as well around the dynamic retargeting. I, I've felt as a marketer that I've always had the blinkers on and I've always been able to not really take in when I go to other sites and I get remarketed from a website I've been to a couple of days before. It's never worked for me as a consumer. So, um, but I, I understand it has its place and it reminds you of that brand and um, I, I get. Uh, in terms of your email marketing, yeah, I, I, I completely understand that. And I probably have to echo the fact that it, small to medium businesses, they, they more than likely wouldn't have advanced automated email journeys. But there is a huge benefit if you do do more than the competitors around you in terms of, especially the initial customer journey. So when if you're cross-marketing your other social platforms in that journey or or if you have an advanced AI that suggests other products they might like, things like that. I, absolutely. And I mean, like I said, I, having worked in the gambling sector, it's fascinating. We'd have, I worked for Ladbrokes, we had eight, 10 products running co concurrently. And each one of those would they have their own subscriber lists and journeys and they couldn't cross over. Otherwise you'd be considered kind of over spamming them. So uh, yeah, it was highly uh, tricky to manage um, and required like literally one person uh, managing it but that was their only job so uh, I'm not in as big a company at the moment but uh, but I know how it works um, 
and yeah, I just I'm I'm kind of glad we're going back to that uh, and moving away from the uh, the retargeting and the over personalization piece, which I felt was a little overkill. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of particular softwares, you've already mentioned a couple already. Mm-hmm. Or is there anything that you find greatly enhances your role day to day? Well, I think uh, so. I'm managing multiple websites at the moment, creating them from scratch and maintaining them. And like it's WordPress multi-site is amazing um, for one business to manage multiple websites, um, and particularly the block editor, the latest. Um, of the WordPress kind of UI, it's super handy for somebody who's not a, a programmer. Um, if you have some support and getting it set up, then you can run it yourself, not a problem. Um, and uh, and I, I like I think in terms of software, it's an upskilling. Like I mentioned, you know, creativity and writing. Like so, if if you know, when I managed, it, I, like I had sort of, so I've worked, I've had social media people work on my team and. Um, I'm surprised at how few of them have the basics, Photoshop um, skills that, that that are really, to me, mandatory, uh, and the basics in writing, actually. So, yeah. um, I, I think any any marketer, and I, I I say this in digital. For me, digital marketing is marketing. I think any marketer who's not doing digital uh, is not. A, they should just sort of change career at this stage. Really, there's there's no delineation anymore. Like we're about to launch a an event um, for September, like an in-person event, but like all of the marketing for it will be digital. Every single thing we're going to do, there might be a couple of physical pieces, but like everything else is going to be just so like, and yet it's a, it's, a, it's a physical event. So it's like, you, there is no delineate. It's, it's, it's all one now. Um, so yes, yeah, so to go back to that, the WordPress multi-site, um, and I say all the Adobe tools, um, and, and I would also say if, if there's any element of creativity that you're good at and you can you manage the Adobe tools that uh, for me, it's uh, like any video editing stuff. To be able to do your own video work in-house is, is really important these days. Um, and if I could only get all our consultants to start videoing themselves, it's the, the confidence piece that's missing. I think it's very hard you know, to just ask somebody who's not familiar with being in front of a camera to suddenly start videoing themselves. But you can see in the States, like... Uh, and the UK, they're just there's a higher level of confidence in front of the camera. I feel uh, across the water, but we'll get there. Very well said. It's a shame we're not videoing this one to to prove your point. <laughs> but, um, obviously, we'll we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, away from obviously your kind of work at the moment, is there anything you're looking to upskill into? Um, well, I think video is important, and for me, I, I I'm not quite like I'm. I'm able to edit video, which is great because uh, you can add anything you want to any marketing piece and make it really stand out in terms of the editing piece, the post-production. But the actual creation of the video itself from from the beginning would be really good to have. Like to be able to just say, okay, I'm just going to interview um, one, like the head of my own team. Um, let's say, you know, even the CEO, I could say, listen, that was really interesting what we did the other day. Just kind of capture that on camera. It's really good for your own brand uh, marketing. Um, but it's just, it's quite a specialized skill. So I'd like to learn more about video work myself. And looking at the dig- digital industry as a whole, which you've kind of linked to there, is there anything that really you're looking forward to that's coming out? Um, yeah, I think like at, at the end of the day, I, I, I think... What really taps into 
what I'm personally interested in and passionate about um, is the circular economy. I've always had um, a passion for not buying brand new things and I can see I'm not on my own anymore. I used to just look like this strange sort of hippie uh, wandering in and out of charity shops. But um, I, I noticed that my 20-something-year-old my cousins are equally passionate about it and they're, they're getting it. They, they realize that, that everybody benefits. So you have like Thriftify is now like, you know, the place to go online to buy your stuff. And I'm so, so excited that uh, e-commerce and sustainability are getting paired up again or not again for the first time really um businesses like too good to go the app that arrived last the end of last summer in ireland is just really really exciting for me to see the digital space embracing um what i feel to be um the, the future products um that are going to thrive uh, because everybody's benefiting from them um so so yeah so, so i'm watching that space quite closely and uh and I and I and I will be using them myself. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's that's for me. That's really exciting because it, it no longer means it means an end of fast fashion. And well, at least hopefully some part of it. The beginning of yeah, the end. Yeah, it does feel like that that, that there is a, t- a turning point. I do think the Irish market in general, we are very environmentally and uh, and sustainability wise aware of current situations. It, it's almost in our culture to be kind of aware of that from from a wider world point of view and i i do hope especially in ireland we we do really become you know mm-hmm. the green capital of the world you know i i do think we should be aiming as a country to to be a hundred percent um clean clean energy uh, in in a short space a shorter space of time than the rest of europe because reality is we're only a population of what six million we could do it, you know. There's there's nothing stopping off us. It's just we don't have the the tools out there to to, to become there. And I, I think I completely agree. The the Thriftify uh, charity shop is a perfect example. The more those kind of areas become popular, we are gonna we are gonna embrace yeah, it and, and push on from there. It's time has come, and uh, and I think that the the sort of the new gen, as I say, Pete, the the generation that are coming through now that are getting the the kind of uh, they'll have uh, the next wave, I guess, of um, the senior execs uh, for businesses. They'll be thinking along those lines much more than say uh, those in their say forties and fifties and beyond, um, because it's a wave that's I think unstoppable, um, and and therefore marketers coming into the system now, you know, there's uh, so many businesses opening uh, and I would urge the marketers to to look at those you know that have very very powerful circular uh, sort of business models that um, that they could go into those rather than other businesses and therefore give their time and energy and creativity to them because they should be prioritized lastly Gail we always ask the same question on the show which is if you could bottle up one personality trait and pass it on to others what would that be it's a great um it's a great question uh i i was going to say positivity but i i think when it comes to digital marketing um and marketing in general i think adapt adaptability is 
is the most important. If you can't adapt, um, you just you won't be able to make it in this space because it moves fast and you need to be ahead of it. Yeah, really well answered. That's it. Gail, we're finished. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, We'll obviously tag you on LinkedIn and everything. But yeah, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you so much for for being on the show with me. You're very welcome. It It was great to chat to you. Thank you very much for having me.